Welcome to The Future Built Smarter, a podcast in which IMEG engineers discuss innovative and trend-setting building and infrastructure design with architects, owners, and others in the AEC industry. I'm your host, Joe Payne, back with another segment in a series of conversations with IMEG's market leaders. And joining me again today is Steve Rhodes, our Vice President of Market Development and Federal Solutions. Steve, welcome back. Hey, it's great to be here again, Joe. Today's guest is Kelly Altus, IMEG's industrial market leader. Kelly is coming to us today from a, a pod inside the Austin airport. Is that right, Kelly? <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> okay, well, see, IMEG's all over the place. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into uh, to this role that you're in today. Sure. Well, thanks for inviting me to join you guys today. I started with the company in 2001 as a, as a structural engineer, my degrees in civil engineering. I did a variety of work at that time period um, just to try to build that technical base as quickly as I could. And as my career moved forward, my passion was for our industrial clients. Um, I found great satisfaction in working with them directly. We had the opportunity to run projects as a prime consultant, and I always took the approach of whatever we need to do to help a client, we will do. As I built up that client base, just sort of naturally, the role grew and grew and grew, as did the company. And we found a need to have kind of a hub or a point person to try to help different teams um, from around the country as they had client opportunities and project opportunities within the industrial and manufacturing market. Maybe that wasn't necessarily that particular local team's expertise. Um, so I got to fill that role of being the, the hub or the point person for, for those calls. And so not only did I get to advise our external clients, um, I also became an advisor to our, our internal teams. And that's been a real fun opportunity, especially as we've seen some great growth in the past five years. You know, uh, you talked about the engagement of uh, your experience and, and now your broader industrial uh, experience for the firm, being able to help local teams anywhere in the country. Can you talk a little bit about how that works and, and how you might engage? For sure. So we have triggers set up internally. Any project that's greater than $30 million in construction budget or larger, I would get, it would come across my desk. I would get a notification and typically I'll make a proactive call to those teams um, that, that have an opportunity to say, hey, can I, you know, is there anything I can do to help you ask a little bit of information about the project, share maybe some of our uh, more broad IMEG past expertise that might be able to supplement that team in that pursuit. Um, that's one way that I would get involved. Other places might be teams oftentimes identify uh, strategic clients that they feel that we would have some value to add to maybe what that client is doing um, at that point in time or in the future. And so we would, um, we would talk internally to try to figure out what's the best way to approach that client to, to let them know about IMEG and, and what we can do and what we can help them with. And we've got pockets of specialization geographically across the country with our industrial teams, right? Absolutely. One of the, the best parts about working in the industrial market is the unique aspects of the type of work we do. You know, agriculture, aerospace, automotive, food and beverage, general manufacturing, chemical, pharmaceutical. These are our major areas of expertise that we can offer 
more broadly because of a specific hub or a specific group of people that has a, a very, very nice resume. What, what's the biggest challenges facing our industrial clients today? There are many. <laughs> uh, you know, I think the, um, the pace of delivery is a big deal. Capital expenditures take a very, very long time to develop. You know, design takes time, construction, you know, procuring equipment, construction, that all is a lengthy process. And those business level decisions that have to happen in order to get that process moving forward, it forces clients to choose. And a lot of times they don't want to choose. They want to wait and see what's the market going to do. They want to hold off as long as possible so they can make sure that they're going down the right path and they've got the right strategy for their business. Um, so keeping that flexible design and construction, I talk with our internal teams all the time about remaining flexible, being able to deliver projects um, in multiple phases or be, being able to deliver stage documents where maybe we're ordering equipment early or, you know, things that allow our clients to to continue their decision-making process without committing uh, as long as possible. That's probably thing number one. Um, there has been a huge push in the industry to move manufacturing back to the U.S. And so architects, engineers, contractors, are there are not enough people in the industry right now to do the work that is needed. Um, to support many of these large-scale projects. And so I think there's a bit of a grab <laughs> for resources um, by many of our clients. And there's also a lot of new firms that maybe don't have the expertise entering the industry. And so I think it that is a challenge for clients to be able to vet out who is the right firm I should hire for this project. Another item would be ESG and corporate sustainability goals. And our facility staff are struggling because the funding isn't always there to support some of those sustainability initiatives. Honestly, the technology isn't even always there to support, um, you know, say, electrifying a factory. It's just we're not quite there yet. I, so I think that is a challenge for our, our owner groups to determine how much money do we invest now? How much do we kind of hold off and wait for technology to advance. And once we identify something we do want to spend money on, how do we obtain that funding to be able to do those things? Um, maybe it's a PV installation or a, a renewables installation, something like that. You know, how do they make the business case that this is in fact worth it from a return on investment standpoint, in addition to supporting those, those corporate sustainability goals? One topic that I find interesting is the, the need maybe for them to master plan a solution for the long term. I'm actively trying to talk with clients about and get them to understand, like, I know that you don't have funding or capital available today, or I know you're looking at this problem and you're saying, oh my gosh, we've got this, you know, portfolio of 60 million square feet of building. What do we do? Um, as with any big problem, you break it down into small chunks. And so we've worked with a number of clients now on um, master planning and trying to take a look at what are 
um, yearly capital expenditures that we can look at over a, a 5, 10, 15, 20 year period to try to help them with that decarbonization process. Is there anything that you can tell them, well, you can at least do this now? Very common things that we find clients doing is uh, getting their sites ready for battery storage. So from an electrical infrastructure standpoint, they're not necessarily installing renewables today. They're not necessarily commonly installing um, battery storage, but they want to sort of prep the site um, to receive that in the future. And we're commonly doing that on projects today. Given the, the variable financial conditions in the world and in the country, you know, how are you seeing our industrial clients respond to economic pressures um, either direction? <laughs> you know, whether they, they don't have enough capital or they, they need to spend it quickly. You know, how are you seeing that, that engage? It's really funny. I, I keep thinking like, oh, things are going to slow down. You know, interest rates are going up. We've got, you know, market pressure happening. Um, cost of money is getting more expensive. Surely our clients will stop spending as much as they are today. And it's just not happening. And I honestly think the reason it's not happening is supply chain has become this very, very uh, critical issue that, that it sort of rises above, you know, cost of money and a lot of these other economic pressures. Um, because there is such a drive to bring manufacturing back to the U.S. and have less of a dependence on that supply chain from elsewhere that was there before COVID. Kelly, a few years ago, we did a video Q&A together. And uh, <laughs> one of the things that you you were pretty passionate about was the importance of really understanding a client's business or what their needs are that went above and beyond simply designing. Absolutely. I think that's part of what makes our firm special. Our overall purpose is not necessarily, you know, I need a platform design. Okay, I'll design a platform for you. Rather, our engineers are asking questions like, what is the platform for? How will you maintain the equipment that's on it? How can we better arrange it so your operators are more comfortable? Anything we can do to add value to the process beyond running a bunch of numbers and putting information on a piece of paper and sending it to a contractor to be built, I think makes us better at what we do. And I think our clients get a, a better end product when we do that. How has IMIG's 3D scanning capability and use of drone technology impacted how we uh, serve our clients in the industrial market? I do think from an industrial standpoint, because everything is exposed inside of a building, um, you know, different markets in an office space or healthcare environment, you've got your drop ceiling tile and all of your systems are hidden away. Luckily, when you go into a plant, um, everything is showing. And so it made it very easy for us to make use of scanning technology. My team was one of the leaders in the company as far as um, trying to actually implement 3D scanning on projects um, where we were able to take uh, 3D images and essentially draw new work over top 
um, for coordination purposes. It's awesome for being able to visit the site virtually, bring it up in a project meeting and walk along with the client in their own facility and be able to point out um, this or that. We're going to demo this. We're going to move that. Those types of things um, become much more feasible to do at a desktop as opposed to a group of 20 people walking around in a factory. So I think it's a little safer that way too. Well, Kelly, thank you for joining us today. Um, I hope you get out of that business pod there in the airport and make your plane in time. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Steve. It was good talking with you guys. That was Kelly Altus, IMEG's Director for the Industrial Market. Listeners who'd like to catch previous editions of The Future Built Smarter can find us on any podcast app as well as on our website at imegcorp.com. Just go to our Insights tab, and there you'll find our podcasts along with other type of thought leadership information. We'll be back with another episode in this series. Until then, thank you for listening and take care. <music>